Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode three. Welcome back to the Music Grind podcast, and if this is your first time listening, uh, welcome. Thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, for joining in. Um, this is a podcast where I'm going to be talking to pro musicians and working guys and girls who are out there uh, doing music for a living, uh, all kinds of music performers, uh, teachers, uh, retailers, band leaders, Uh, all kinds of people in all different levels of the industry just to get an idea of what their life is like. And the ultimate goal is to hopefully inspire and educate uh, some of you who are listening and, and even myself, I'm, in, I'm listening too, um, to be able to, if you're not doing this full time uh, and it's one of your dreams, then hopefully this is an inspiration for you to go and try it. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's exactly why I'm showcasing people who are doing it. I'm, I'm trying to show you uh, the work behind it and kind of what it takes to get to the level that they're on. Uh, so hopefully this is a, an inspiration and an educational uh, podcast. So today I have my good friend Dave Hamar. He's a drummer. He's a composer. He's a teacher. He's an all-around fun guy. Uh, very creative individual. In fact, I'm always impressed and uh, and amused when he's around um, at his almost uh, endless creativity, uh, whether it's in music or joking or coming up with sketches or um, just a whole bunch of different ideas. In fact, there's one thing that's always stuck out uh, in my mind. He um, He once showed me one of his old notebooks from college where, you know, he's taking notes in a music class and I guess they were talking about um, different chords and different chord structures and F sharp minor. And he drew in the margins of his notebook um, a little guy, a little drawing of a guy in a cave with a, one of those lamps on your helmet and he's digging in the ground, he's mining and all around him you see F sharps. And, you know, the picture was an F sharp minor m-i-n-e-r and when i saw that you know i don't think i've ever mentioned it to him but it just struck me like putting those words together that wordplay is is something that i'm fascinated with and that uh, i thought it was uh, amusing that he came up with that um that connection and hanging out with dave um one of the other things that i'm always uh impressed with and and i love about him is his great attitude he's he's got a great attitude even about uh you know some difficult even crappy situations, you know, we've done gigs and we've done some great gigs and some not so great gigs together, but he's always had a great attitude, even in the midst of, um, of stuff. And I, I just love that about him. And it's, you know, it's fun to be around a person like that. Uh, you know, talking to him in this, um, in this podcast for this, this interview, I actually was surprised to learn. I didn't know this about him, but I'm, I was surprised to learn that he was a late bloomer. He talks about it in the interview, but he didn't start playing drums and start playing music until 
later on and and for someone who with his kind of uh, musical intuition i actually just assumed that he was playing music for you know all or most of his life and i was surprised to learn he was a late bloomer uh, and he'll talk about how he got started uh, in music and on the drums and you know dave is currently um the touring drummer for mandy harvey now uh i talked to will Cecina in the last episode who's mandy's guitarist now i'm talking to dave um and he talks more about uh he talks he tells you know how he got involved with mandy uh, but he also starts to talk about more about um what tour life is like and the kind of schedule they hold and that's actually a really interesting part of the conversation to get an insight into what it's like on a tour of a rising star, actually. Now, he makes mention in this interview at a certain point of something that's going to be airing in October. Uh, that's because this interview was recorded in April of 2017, and I had plans to release all of this stuff uh, really early. But, you know, stuff, life happens. Um, so I'm airing it now. And I just wanted to let you know when you hear it, what he's talking about is uh, something with Mandy Harvey. And you can go actually right now on YouTube and find it. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, you, can get, you guys can go and find that yourself. So I just wanted to point that out real quick. And without further ado, it's my good friend Dave Hamar, drummer extraordinaire. So... You uh, you went to school for music. You're a full-time musician now, right? Mm -hmm. You went to school for music, mm -hmm. um, USF. Uh -huh. Where? Well, tell me your schooling. Um, I I feel like my whole life I've been sort of a late bloomer. Um, fun fact, embarrassing fact: I didn't get like armpit hair until I was a senior in high school. Um, so that theme sort of has been playing on throughout my entire <laughs> life. Uh, and I say this because I didn't start, I didn't start playing drums until I was 18. Okay. Um, and so, you know, when I ended up in college, I was uh, an undeclared major, and just taking the, the gen ed stuff, like the math and the science, and just it, it felt the first two years of college felt like an extension of high school, where I was just going because I thought I had to, and taking the classes that I was supposed to. Anyway. Uh, Eventually, I, I started taking art classes and uh, painting and drawing. And to do that, I had to go to HCC. So I started uh, right out of high school going to University of South Florida, four-year college. Um, and then I couldn't get into those art classes that I wanted to, so I went downgraded, uh, wow. which was actually an upgrade. But you know, when, when you go back to a two-year uh, college, uh, everyone always thinks of it as a step back. Right. Anyway, so I, I went to HCC, took some art classes, and then uh, got a gig uh, at Bush Gardens, where I got to play drums on trash cans and stuff. Oh, and okay. uh, it was really super, super cool. And some of the guys in, that I was working with were talking about taking music classes at HCC, which is where I already went. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do that you know, at the end of the summer. And so I got back, and I, I took music classes, and then... Uh, so I think I was about 20 or 21 by then when I finally started learning about what I was doing, music okay. theory and stuff like that, taking lessons. Uh, finished two years there, then went back to the University of South Florida, 
finished my degree there, and then graduated in 2007. Um, so I say I'm a late bloomer because it's been catch up since then. And I still kind of feel like, oh man, there's like these younger cats who are like better than me. I kind of like, oh, yeah, catch up. But I think so, we all feel, I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Um, so you, as a kid, you didn't play any instruments, piano or anything like that? Uh, no, not until, I think my dad got me a guitar when I was in seventh grade and uh, I learned how to play Ghost Rider in the Sky. And uh, I don't know if you know that tune, but it's just like a melody on the guitar. And I was like, ooh, this is really cool. And then I, you know, I could, you know, I played along to like Weezer tunes and Green Day and stuff like that. Uh, had a band when I was in high school when I played guitar and sang. Um, but it was no formal training. I was just like, what's he doing? Okay. You know, oh, yeah. Just totally, yeah. totally by ear. My dad showed me a lot of stuff, but right. he's also self-taught, so he didn't really know what he was doing either. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, going into music school was like, huh? what is that? Like is treble clef, what? Was it overwhelming or did you just It was. It? it was uh, absolutely as overwhelming, especially because most of the kids I was studying with were, you know, they've been playing whatever their instrument was since they were like five. Oh, yeah. And I'm this like, you know, adult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming in. Totally clueless. Um, although it was, you know, I think that was the very first time in my entire life where I was in school and I was like, oh, I want to learn. And oh, so okay. I, I made myself sit front row center um, and pay attention to the teacher, you know, regardless of what was going on. And I wasn't distracted by any, I didn't have any friends that I could talk to. So I just, you know, yeah, what? <laughs> that was me. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I ended up really, really digging it. And once I started studying music, I, act, music, I actually got uh, all A's from then on out. So like the last four years of college was a 4.0, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Although when I graduated, it didn't look like that uh, because of my first couple extended high school. Oh, I see. You know, yeah. Not so good grades there. Yeah. But yeah. So being a late bloomer really worked out for you. So after, after college... I met you years ago at Bush Gardens. Mm -hmm. How did how did that um, progression go? Like, how did you become then a professional musician? Uh, so, I guess it's I don't know. It, I, I knew that when I started studying music, that it was there was something special happening. I was like, <gasps> like, because I totally just took all the you know I'd been studying art my whole life. That was my thing. I was like, yeah, I like drawing and painting, and then for me to take that and be like, nah, this is better. And I don't even, you know, I don't really even know much about it, but for me to go into that, I knew there was something going on there. Um, you know, about two years through music school, I started teaching at a music store. Um, and then that, you know, I met some musicians that way and uh, I met some musicians uh, playing at school and I met some musicians, um, playing at church, uh, which is how I got the gig at Bush Gardens in the first place. The first time I worked there, I was recommended by the trumpet player. Um, and he was like, you know, they were looking for a guy. And he was like, I know a guy. Wow. And I was the guy. Uh, <laughs> and then I got that gig. Um, but yeah, so it went from, you know, knowing a few people, getting a couple of gigs, teaching a few students, to teaching more students, getting a few more gigs, um, you know, 
What were the kind of gigs in those days? Uh, I remember one of, <laughs> not good gigs. <laughs> uh, one of them I remember I played in Ybor City on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights from nine, no, from like 7.30 to 1 a.m. or something wow. like that uh, with this blues group. And it was me, uh, this guitar player and a bass player. And the bass player was an angry, angry man. Um, but they used to call me, what do they call me? Young blood. Uh, <laughs> I was, you know, this 21 year old, you know, white kid, and uh, the the guitar player and um, the bass player were like these old school blues dudes, and they just they knew their thing and they played the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like if you went out of that vein, you know, they didn't really understand it. They wanted you to stay right here. Right. So they were like, hey man, just play right here. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, cool, I'll play again. And uh, I remember uh, the the bass player was like just angry all the time about something. And so, you know, when you're playing like this slow blues, like like something on that vein, yeah. uh, like he would, he would play a little bit and, you know, I would start playing something like that. I'd be like, no, 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 stay there. And he would sing it to me while I'm playing. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then like, he, it just kept happening to where like whatever I would do is like, no, man, don't play that. I'm like, oh, sorry. And like, it actually became really annoying. And me as like the rebel that I am, uh, started messing with him a little bit <laughs> where I'd go, I'd play the pattern, but I'd swing the 16th note. God. And he would turn and look, and then I'd go back to the straight way. And he'd, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd get back into his little corner. Um, but that gig was terrible. We, we got paid $100 for the whole band. The whole band, oh, okay. The whole band, and that's three guys, so we're Six walking hours. away with like, yeah, Jeez. like $33 at the end of the night. And I'm, I didn't have like, you know, uh, proper cases or a cart. So I'm just like, got all my drums and just like this, and I'm trying to walk through the middle of Ybor City at oh, you know, yeah. 1.32 a.m., going to my, my car in the parking lot where no one is anymore. Yeah. Um, so it was a terrible gig, but it was, for me, it was better than where I was, uh, because I guess right out, of or right out of high school, I started working at Quiznos, and that was, it's food service, you yeah. know. Maybe great for some people, but not for me. I mean, we come home stinking all the time. And so he asked me to do this gig, and it was like, Quiznos, play music. That's it. That was like the easiest <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, answer to go play music. So um, you know, I, I played that for a little bit, and then like he brought in, I think this dude was like sleeping with this girl, uh, the, the guitar player, and um, he, he was like, hey, man, we're going to bring this girl in. And I was like, okay. She's like, yeah, she's gonna play tambourine and stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, and, and, and we're gonna split it, you know. I was oh. like, oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, all right, so now my, my bay's gonna get cut down to $25. And now, you know, it didn't make financial sense anymore. Right. And I was like, hey man, like, I can't do it if that's where it's at. And he's like, well, that's where it's at. And I was like, all right. So I stopped doing that. Um, that was like one of my first yeah. gigs, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember your question where, where I was going with this. I don't really remember it. <laughs> but, um, well, what's the, what's the next step? So um, we met at Bush Gardens. From, That's right. From this $25, $25 for six hour I, gig. A friend of mine who I studied with at HCC, his name is Kyle Pierce. Uh, 
Oh yeah. I saw him and I was like, "Hey man, how are you doing?" This was years after we'd, you know, moved on from HCC. Um, and he he says, "Oh yeah, I'm working at I'm working at Bush Gardens, playing in a show." And I was like, "What? There are shows there?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Hmm." And then you know, my imagination was like, "Oh man, that's got to be really cool." So I auditioned. Uh, didn't hear anything for a year. Okay. Just kept, you know, kept. Uh, I think by this, not even like a rejection letter. Nope. And this was wow. after I graduated college. Um, this is well after Quiznos had been gone. I was just teaching full time, pretty much, okay. and uh, I think I was playing at a church, also, um, and then some some jazz gigs here and there, uh, like some jams and stuff like that. But nothing really going on. And then I auditioned, didn't hear anything, and then a year later I got called and uh, got called to do Kinetics, um, which is a show. It's like a rock show outside with these acrobats. It's like that was your first one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I met you and Steven. Yeah. Um, and that that you know like working at Bush Gardens changed my life. I was like, ah, there's other people who are like into performing, and like you know I met all these dancers and these acrobats and like other musicians, and I was like, this place is amazing. And so they asked me to do, uh, I think the next one was the Halloween, oh, my yeah. ex. Uh, <laughs> and then the next one they asked me to do was... I love that show. Do Up. And then, you know, oh, I okay. kept doing sh shows after that. How long were you there in total? Almost four years. And then I was full-time yeah. for a little bit of that. Um, which sounds really good on paper, but doesn't work really well for me, especially in a situation like that, uh, where the bottom line is money and not music or art in that in that aspect. Like, you know, they they're trying to entertain people. You know, you have to sort of look in. You have to look into art and see what what are what are people drawn to, not. How much can we afford, or what can we cut, or yeah. and you know, when I got into that situation where I was a part of that, I couldn't handle it anymore, and I had to I had to move on. So now, now you're doing. I mean, I've played in like uh, d different gigs with you, Bush Gardens, uh -huh. wedding bands. The weddings, weddings pay better. Um, you know, corporate gigs. Have we done theater together? I don't think. I don't Unless think we count done. Bush Gardens, but no. Oh yeah, all right. But not not like you know. Right. Here's here's the book, and you just you know yeah. sight read it every night or rehearse and stuff like that. Um, I don't think so. And now now you're playing with uh, someone named Mandy Harvey. Mm -hmm. Almost almost changed her name right there. Man, <laughs> to uh, what? Handy, Handy Marvy. <laughs> Handy Marvy. <laughs> we we say that. We also call the band the Bandy. The Bandy. Mandy. Stupid, yeah. yeah. Um, so how did that come about? Uh, that that was like, I I don't know. That's like a planets aligned kind of thing. Uh, a friend of mine named Richard Jimenez is also a bass player in town. Um, longtime friend. We've been we go way back. Uh, yeah. And you know he called me. I guess he couldn't do some gig, and he's like, hey. Can you do this gig? It's on a Monday. I'm like, Monday? Of course. <laughs> There's no gigs on Monday. Yeah, let's do it. He's and like, I, I said yes long before I read the rest of the text message. I was like, gig Monday, yes. <laughs> so like, I started reading further down, and he said it was from some commercial uh, out in uh, Lakeland, and 
And he was like, oh, by the way, um, do you have any friends who are on that? Who, who could, you have another bass player? It's like, he was like, is Navarro available? It's like, well, I don't know, I'll ask him. Yeah. Uh, and so me and Navarro got on that gig together. But it was like, totally, like, we don't know what we were getting into. He's like, yeah, just show up at this time, bring your, bring your axe and, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, we show up and it's, it's in this, uh, I guess it was one of the buildings at Southwest University that's designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, okay, yeah. One of those, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, we, we sat down and we don't, we have no idea what's going on, but there's like, they're giving us these papers to sign for the, the Screen Actors Guild and like all this crazy, you know, thick paperwork. And we're like, okay, I don't, what is, what is really going on? There are all these cameras and like directors and stuff. And we still hadn't met the person who was, you know, Mandy, who was supposed to be there. Um, and we don't know anything about it either. She just rolls in and, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this is Mandy. Uh, she's deaf, and it's like, oh, really? Uh, that's interesting. Like, what you know? And I guess there's when we learned that she was a musician and she needed a band to play with uh, for this documentary. And she wanted to, I guess, through the documentary, they were trying to show her how she would react with, oh. um, you know, regular with people she hadn't met, with sh uh, musicians she hadn't worked with before, uh -huh. and how that process works because she's she's used to doing that because she used to when she would tour around, um, she would just go to a town and hire who's ever there. Right. And uh, which is cool, um, but I, I can only imagine how challenging that has to be, especially if you're trying to come across with a, with a vibe and you don't know these people and they don't know you and you don't, they don't know how you're trying to, or they don't know the sound you're trying to create. Right. So um, I just said yes to the gig, showed up, you know, met, met her and met Alfred Shepard, the piano player. Um, and you know, she was like, okay, here's a tune we're gonna do. And it was just a chord sheet, no, you know, not sheet music, just like words with chords over it. Right. And you don't really know, but you know, the three of us, me, uh, Dan and, and, and Alfred, we're kind of used to that. Like we've, we've played lots of different types of gigs and um, you know, given that situation rather than being like, hey, this isn't sheet music. Well, how are we going to survive? We just sort of like go for it yeah. and go to, go to feed off of whatever's happening. Um, and she goes, "All right, so I'm just going to play through it, and uh, you know, just come in when you think you know the vibe." And we we're like, "Okay." So she plays through the first verse, and all of us were like, "Oh!" And we didn't speak, but we all just came in right at the same time. With the everybody was thinking the same thing, and it was like, "Ah!" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> It was, it was probably you know, one of my favorite musical moments ever because it was totally, I, I knew Dan, but I didn't know Alfred and I definitely didn't know Mandy right. and she's deaf and there was zero connection there until we played that, that tune and it was like, whoa, this was awesome. And everybody in the room knew it. Like, yeah. you know, when we were done with the tune, it was silent. And um, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was all right. That was that was good. A cut, you know, like. <laughs> and uh, I think the the lady who hired us was like in tears, and it was like, you know, it was a really really special moment. Um, but then, you know, uh, there was another shoot that day, so we moved to the I think it was the Falk Theater, some the one in downtown Tampa. Uh, no, in Lakeland. Oh, in Lakeland. Okay. I can't remember. It's maybe maybe I'm thinking of Tampa's name, but I don't remember the name of. Maybe it's Polk Theater. That makes more sense because sure. it's in Polk County. Um, we, we went over there to shoot a little more. Um, 
and then you know there was a lot of downtime so me dan and alfred like played a little bit alfred started playing paranoid android on the piano and it was like oh you know that tune he's like know that tune i was like hey and then we played it <laughs> uh, and that was really fun and then the whole time we're joking around with manny and there was sort of an instant just uh what's the word connection yeah but um uh connection leave it there uh and but it's more than a connection it's more than a connection more than a connection uh, more than a feeling <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was it was pretty much instantaneous. And then uh, after that, you know, we all went home and it was fine. Just so I was like, wow, that was a really cool thing that happened. What a what a great experience to share. Yeah. Um, and then she called us for a gig about three months later. This was in October of 2014. And she called us no 15 2015. And then she called us for another gig in February of 2016 last year. Uh, we played one gig in Orlando, and this was with a sax player, but it was basically the four of us plus this guy. Yeah, um, and it was great. Uh, you know, we all it was it was like old times, even though it was only the second time. And uh, and then later that year, she says, "Hey, I'm planning this tour. Are you guys interested?" And we we're like, "Of course, we're interested." And then in October of last year, we went on our first tour, uh, and then we went on another one in November, and then another one in February, and. Uh, and then like a little short guy in March, but it was. And now you're fantastic. like I know I hear you guys talking about, um, you know, you go and fly out, and we were we were talking earlier. Um, you you do, you were describing a long day. Like what's your, so then what's your typical work day? Right? Well, um, so for a fly gig, let's say. For this, like uh, two weeks ago, or like almost just a week ago, we flew out to L uh, LA, Louisiana, <laughs> LA. LA yeah. uh, flew to New Orleans and played in Crowley, which is about two hours west of New Orleans. So that was, we, did we fly? No, okay, yeah, we got up early, super early. Our flight was at seven. So we got to the airport at like 5.15 or 5.30, early day. Um, got on the plane, flew in, and it was just uh, myself, Alfred, and Will, guitar player. Um, because Dan, I guess, had a gig that night and had to fly in the next morning. Oh, so wow. we flew in early to New Orleans, then drove, uh, met Mandy there at the airport, then drove to Crowley. Uh, and we didn't have a gig that day, so it was just, we all took a nap. Uh, and then went out to dinner and then, you know, went back to the hotel. But then Dan was flying in the next day on the same flight. So he was arriving at, uh, I think his flight came in at 7.30 or something like that. So someone had to drive him from the airport. Someone oh, had to pick him up. Right. Uh, and that was me. <laughs> so I got up at five <laughs> and like drove two hours to the airport, picked him up and then drove back and then did the same thing. Both of us took a nap and then got up. Uh, got dressed, went to the venue, sound checked, um, you know, chilled out for a little bit. They they fed us. Um, then we, you know, got dressed and played the Literally gig. Show, yeah. And then had to get up early the next morning and fly back. Uh, so, you know, it was, it just, it's one of those things where it's not really, like if on paper, it's only a few hours of work and it's, it's not that big a deal, but your whole schedule gets thrown off. 
because considering that you know those days leading up to us leaving, we were on gig schedule, which is you know go to the gig sometime in the afternoon if it's a wedding, sometime in the evening if it's a regular gig, play until midnight, one right. at one a.m. and then go home. So you know you're not going to get up early the next day. You're going to sleep in to right. recharge, uh, but you had to because we're getting on a plane. So like all of a sudden your sleep is shortened, and then it's off, and then you know you don't know what time it is anymore, and uh, it's just, it, it, it does a number on you. It's like, but that's the worst thing I can find about that. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> it. I didn't sleep as much, you know. It's, it's, it, was, it was actually oh, really terrible. fun. Yeah. Uh, when we're doing a tour, however, it's, it's a little more difficult because she likes to make the tour worthwhile, which means if you have 10 days you're going out, you want to gig all 10 days. Right. means you'll make money the whole time. Or if you have days off, you're losing money. Right. Um, that's a different story, you know. You fly in, you know. You, you get to the rental car, you drive to your next gig. Well, how about uh, the the West Coast thing that you guys did? The West Coast thing, we flew into L.A. Again, uh, everybody's in, here in Tampa. Everyone's here in Tampa, and Mandy's in Orlando. Okay. Um, and so we flew to L.A., got in there early in the morning. That's a long flight. Um, got up. Where were we? No, I take that back. We flew in the afternoon and got there late uh, the next day and then got our rental car and went to the hotel where <laughs> uh, they didn't have rooms for us because there was some mix up. And so we were standing in the hotel, like already <laughs> tired, like waiting for this thing. And then, you know, they finally got it and they gave us our rooms, um, went to sleep, and then we had a gig the next day. So we got up, you know, and then for the next many days, that's what it is. It's like you. Um, you go to the hotel, you sleep, you wake up, you know, sound check, gig, go sleep, wake up, drive to the next venue, sound check, go to sleep. You know, it's it's that it's that pattern, and it's it's cool. But when you start getting those really bunched up, because you know, we had to drive out into Arizona and to get from our one venue in California to our other venue in Arizona, it was an eight-hour drive. Um, so you got to get up early in the morning, drive there eight hours, and that all day driving, and then you go yeah. sleep, and then you have the gig the next day. It's just, you know, after a while, it's just it's hard because you want to get that good sleep, so you're you're warmed, uh, you're, um, you know, you have the energy to make it through, and on top of that, you're stuck in a car. Yeah. So like, you know, for a tall guy like me, you can't tell on camera, but I'm six four. Um, it's you know, my body starts getting all crunched up because I'm sitting in a car driving all day right. and I don't get to like stretch. And Were you at least like um, trading drivers, you know, somebody? Well, I mean, they always offer, but I like driving. So I usually, I just, you know, I'm, <laughs> uh, they, they call me tour dad because I'm the driver and, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, looking out for stuff. Yeah. Make sure your bags are checked. Make sure you don't have any water in your security, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's it's really tiring, but you know that two or three hours where you get to play, totally worth it. It's like that's the recharge. Yeah. Um, at least spiritually or mentally or something. Definitely not physically, because yeah. you know it actually takes it out of you. But um, I don't know. It's it's awesome and terrible. <laughs> so this is what you're doing now. You're playing. You're, play, you're not teaching yeah. anymore. You're certainly not at Quiznos. No, I. You know, the last since college, um, I've just sort of 
slowly been upgrading. It's almost like you're in a video game, like a big Zelda game where you're like, you know, your first, your first dungeon that you have to fight is like your first terrible gig. And you get in there and, you know, you'll beat it. It's going to take you a few tries. You're going to mess up a lot. But eventually you'll get through that gig. And then now you have all this stuff that you got from that gig, like, you know, whatever. Oh, I can play this tempo now. Or, oh, play all those blues. Play all that blues stuff, you know, make this bass player happy. Uh, That's, I mean, you know, that as as much as I didn't like that bass player, there's a lot of dudes who are like that. They want it like this way. And, you know, you didn't start the band. So, you know, you can't just walk in there and be like, no, man, I'm going to play it this way. This is where it's at. This is what, you know, this is where I'm at. It's like, no, you're hired to play whatever they tell you to do. Yeah. And, it, you know, obviously if it's a situation where uh, you're being mistreated, um, you know, you got to get out of there. But if it's, if it's just, oh, man, I don't want to learn to play that way because that means I have to do work or do some listening, then, you know, that's a cop-out. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, through all those bad gigs, you get a little something and you learn a little bit. I mean, this is kind of obvious, but you learn a little bit from that and then you take it to your next gig, your next dungeon. (laughs) And, you know, now you have this better sword and you go in there and that dungeon's harder though. So, you know, your sword worked, but maybe this, your shield was crappy. So, you know, I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Uh, But, you know, you just, you know, go through dungeons and dungeons (laughs) and like... um, and you start acquiring stuff too, like you upgrade your gear. It's like, oh man, this symbol's really loud in this room. Maybe I should get a symbol that's not so loud. Because yeah. um, you never get to play loud. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> wants, yeah, uh, I'm gonna hire you guys because you're loud. No. <laughs> uh, so, and, and you know, you go to a thing and your, your floor tom bracket breaks. It's like, ah, you gotta get a new one of those. Or like, oh man, it'd be so much easier to get from here to there if I had a cart. So you get a cart and like, you know, little by little, you're sort of stockpiling this stuff. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have um, like my parents or they, they, you know, they sort of always said, you know, quality over quantity. And so I was in the mindset from early on to like, I don't care, you know, if it costs a little money, I'll work a little harder, make a little more money to get to something that's going to last me a lot longer. Yeah. Because that's the last thing you want in a gig is for your gear to go. Because... Once your gear is gone, then you can no longer make music. Therefore, you can no longer make money. Right. You can no longer support yourself on this quest. Nice <laughs> uh, um, tie-in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's 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 that. You know, just do your little bit at this first gig. Learn what you can. Try to figure out everything you can, and try to be the puppet. Like it's it sucks to say that. Like be the puppet that you know. We want you to play this, okie dokie, and you, you play it, you know, but it's, you're gonna learn more that way. It's gonna be more challenging that way, but it's that, that sacrifice of yourself in those situations where the gig isn't, you know, it may not be your favorite thing, but you're gonna learn something to take you on to the next thing. And what happens, or at least what's happened with me, is like through all these gigs, terrible gigs, train wrecks, I've caused train wrecks on many gigs. And it's, you know, like you carry that along with you and then after a while you get good and you know, the, the mistakes aren't as big anymore and like you know what to look out for and pretty soon you're, you, you all of a sudden have preferences about what you like to do and you can start, you know, 
hey, I, I kind of like this kind of music. And then you're like, well, maybe I may write that kind of music. And then you start doing stuff for yourself and then you have this little project. And through all, you know, after all these gigs, let's say you've played 100 gigs, that you've probably played with more than 100 people. So right. then you know out of all these, you know, 600 people or whatever that you've met, maybe 600's a little steep, but, you know, like, um, you, you know which guys you get along with. And right. you know which ones you like playing with. And then you start, you know, and they notice and you notice, you get called for those gigs and sure. you, and all of a sudden you're playing with kind of just the people you like playing with. Uh, and you're in this one little circle, um, which is nice, uh, which is kind of happening now. Like I, I remember maybe only like two or three years ago, I would get called for a gig and I wouldn't know anybody on the gig. And that was common. That would happen once or twice a week. Right. Uh, but now, you know, I go and I, I pretty much know everybody on the gig, which is nice because then I know it, you know, I know how, how it's going to go and I can yeah. relax in some in instances. I don't have to be like, hey, man, we sounded good. Are you going to get your number? Like, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so where can, where can we find you now? Like, what's next for you? And can people find you on the internet somewhere? Um, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, what is it? Something YouTube slash Dave Hamar. <laughs> Uh, I have Instagram, which is at Dave Hamar. I have a Twitter, but I never use, but go for it. At Dave, Dave Hamar. Everything's Hamar, just Dave Hamar. H A M A R. H A M A R. Which is my father's name, which gets confusing, but whatever. Um, you just gave, <laughs> your dad has a bunch yeah. of followers. He's now. Like, All right, sweet. Ch check out my <laughs> guitars. The, the car show. <laughs> yeah. And... Oh, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> but in, in now, um, you know, I'm becoming really interested in, for the first time, really in original music. Uh, so we have a I have a band called Any Endeavory, um, which is all original music with me and my friends. And uh, you, the same friends who, almost, who are, yeah, <laughs> almost. pretty much, which is really super cool. All um, those same friends that you met in the gigs you didn't know, like, hey, right? Hey, you come in the band, yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm playing in the Florida Bjorkestro, which is super, super cool. Yeah. That's, you know. That thing is cool. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell them. That thing was really cool. I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan, and you guys did that, that show. Yeah. You guys did it really well. Ronnie D, son. Ronnie D is no joke, yeah. man. But, but also, like, Jeremy's arrangements, and, um, and, and then, of course, you guys performing it. Man. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, thanks. It's it's Jeremy's baby, and he's he's doing it. We have another one coming up in August or September. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he comes up with these ideas, but I guess this year is the twentieth anniversary for the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We all remember this show. Yeah, Sarah I Michelle Geller, I think is. Yeah, yeah, she was Buffy. That was Buffy, and yeah. I guess they did. In one of those episodes, they did a musical. I have, I don't know anything about this, but apparently it was good. It was like legit yeah. in the musical theater world. So we're doing that. We're wow. doing that show. And um, I don't know if this is public knowledge, uh, but I think they're trying to bring in like some actor from the show to come and like Dude, be there. Cool. Well, this Super probably cool. won't air. Right. Well, wait a um, minute, you said in October? I sure hope this airs before October. <laughs> But, I can uh, edit it out. Beep. And that's that's super cool. And then obviously Mandy Harvey. Mandy Harvey. Uh, like she's you know we're we're 
we're friends. And so she'll come over and like, we'll write tunes together. We haven't done a whole lot, but um, all of us sort of, if the summer has come, well, it's coming. Uh, it's like the opposite of winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> so for musicians, the summer is coming and we all like, oh, what are we gonna do for gigs? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good time for us to sort of, you know, step back and spend some time writing and arranging. Yeah. So she's, she's gonna come over and we're gonna work on that stuff because we have, I know we have another tour in February that we're doing and it's-, it's Of 2018? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, um, and it's back out west. Planning that far out ahead. She's planning really far out ahead. That's great. Uh, so which, yeah, it's super cool. And a lot of the places that we've already played, they're, they're, they've asked us back. Yeah. They're like, whoa, this was awesome. You guys should come back. And we're like, we will for more money. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> uh, so that's that's really really cool. And um, you know, I'm I'm really, I've I've played, I've puppeted a lot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I kind of like it. It's, it's sort of shaped me to who I am now, but I, I'm kind of liking the fact that I'm, you know, becoming a little more open to original projects and spending my time and energy towards that stuff. Um, and I feel like it's a little more valuable to me now than if I would have done it like 10, 15 years ago when I first started playing. Um, because you know the wealth of knowledge that I've gotten from all these gigs and from school and from other musicians, uh, it's 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 way deeper than it was back then. Yeah. So I feel like I have all these things to say now, um, where I don't, I, you know, I'm sure the stuff that I would I would have been proud of the stuff that I've wrote, wrote a long time ago, but I know that my vocabulary and my um, storytelling has definitely gotten better. Did you have stuff to say back then, but now after all that experience and after all the real world education, now you have a way to say it? Um, or do you just literally have more to say now? I think it's both. I think that, you know, an 18 year old has a lot to say. You know, they're adults for the first time. They get to try out the world. Um, however, like you were saying, I didn't have I didn't know how to say it, or uh, and I needed that, you know, ammunition from all these things, um, all these different gigs to be able to do that, or vocabulary, if that's a better <laughs> metaphor. Um, yeah, let's use that one. <laughs> uh, so you know, I'm pretty, you know, not, and and I think one thing that's really important that a lot of musicians sort of forget is that you know this is an art form, and art it doesn't just draw from art like people usually don't get into music for the sake of getting into music it's not like hey uh, i'm going to i'm going to use a four, four chord over this and then i'm going to move the to five and then i'm going to do the five of six and we're going to get to six that doesn't make any sense like there's some kind of emotion or feeling from when you heard it and you were like what is that i want to do that right and you know i think life experience is one of the biggest um, inspirations or um, ways to find subject matter in what we actually write and what we actually create. And so, you know, aside from the musical experience that I've been through, just the regular old Life. broken heart experiences, mm -hmm. uh, you know, broke down on the side of the road with, you know, in the, in the middle of Alligator Alley, you know, <laughs> like it's hot. You know, all those things, um, going through 
situations in the winter where the heat doesn't work and your landlord won't fix it. Like actual just stuff, life stuff that you have to go through, that we all go through. Um, and you know, combine just real world experiences with musical and artistic experiences. And now you all of a sudden have all this stuff to write from. Um, and I think that's an, a, you know, just as just as important as uh, the the musical knowledge that I've gained over the last few years um, it, to put me where I am now, to where I'm like, yeah, I want to write about stuff. Um, everything that I've written last year and this year has had something to do with something I've been through. Like, right. um, I remember you showing you this tune. Like, I was like. Tito, I wrote a song, like I haven't written a song since I was like 19, check it out. It's, it's about the house that you're moving into, yeah. <laughs> that I'm moving out of. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah? I think it does. Yeah, I think it does too. Um, do you have any advice for anybody who's trying to, uh, trying to be a full-time musician, whether they are a musician part-time or not at all, or, but they, they're looking at this and you know you're doing it. So what would you tell somebody? Um, I would say that practice is is super super important, but it's not the most important. Um, you know, like daily practices. That's how you, you know your your muscles have to learn these motions. And if you're not doing that, then they won't ever learn the motions. Um, so. Practice as much as you can, but don't burn yourself out. Like if you don't feel like practicing, then stop. Or, you know, if you if you go through a long period of not feeling like practicing, then you're going to have to make yourself practice every once in a while. Uh, but it's it's super super important. Um, you know, listening to music, uh, exposing yourself to different kinds of art forms, um, and if uh, if you play drums learn a little bit about the piano or learn a little bit about the bass. Um, same if you're a bass player, pick up the drums every once in a while, like try it out because what happens is you learn the perspective of the thing that you're doing or you learn to look at what you're doing from a different perspective. Yeah. And then you realize like, you know, I'll sit down and play the piano and I'll realize, oh man, like you, if you play with someone and they're like playing a lot, and you're like, oh man, that guy's playing a lot. And then you're like, oh, I play a lot. Oh no. <laughs> and then you can like go and fix that, you know? And you would have never known had you not, you know, sat in the other chair. Try singing. I mean, you can take this further. Try dancing, try painting, you know, just all these different ways of expressing art. And you all of a sudden have more to draw from. And you're not, you know, we all get stuck in this like creative block, like, man, everything I make sucks. And, uh, you know, if that happens, then, you know, go do something else. And you may get inspiration from something else. And a lot of times it's from an unlikely source. Um, yeah, and I would say take, take bad gigs. Like, just take any gig. It doesn't matter. Like, you'll find something. Um, there's, there's always something to be found in, in everything, really. But, you know, uh, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Take the gig. You may have fun. It may be terrible. <laughs> and then you can tell your friends about it and laugh about it. <laughs> so, so I, think, I think you and I have laughed the hardest about terrible gigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I love those stories. Yeah, the, I mean, you learn. The best. Yeah, they're they're the funniest. They're you learn the most. You learn what to do, what not to do. Yeah, you know? if you can, if you just suffer through it, like yeah. just like, oh man, that guy's freaking out on this gig because of something, <laughs> and like, oh, I just got to get through this so I can tell all my friends and we can laugh about it later. But I just gotta muscle through it. Right. Uh, and most of the times, nobody is literally dying, and the world is not literally ending. So, no. what you, whatever you or anyone else was freaking out about. You know, five days later, it's not that bad. I think one of my favorite freakout stories was um, my music director when I worked on a cruise ship. Um, oh, that's the international part that we mentioned. The international you part. Are, yeah. I was in a cruise ship up in the Baltic, and uh, I guess that night, you know, every night we're sight reading charts, and like I'm not the strongest sight reader, and and as we all know, drums are really important to keeping the band together. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have it together, what are the odds of everyone else having it together are probably unlikely. And if I'm doing something whack in the in the back, like where they're trying to move on with the chart, you know, it's just it's just going to cause something. And I guess that night I I was so buried in this chart and I flipped the beat, which is crazy. Like that that's something I I wouldn't even think of doing. Like I don't I don't really even understand how that happens to people, but it happened to yeah, me. Yeah. And like. <laughs> You know, and it was it was fine. It was like it, it flipped, and this thing happened. Someone yelled. I was like, "Oh!" And then I flipped it, and everything was fine. <laughs> but during that moment, I guess it really got to the music director. So, like after the gig, he pulls me aside. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" I was like, "Women like what do you, yeah, so, <laughs> like the tune." <laughs> it's like you mean right now? I'm talking to you. And he's like, "What's going on? Like what what happened?" And I was like. Oh yeah, you know, I just messed up, and he's like, "Did you know you messed up?" And I was like, well, "Yeah." <laughs> and he was like, "Well, you know, we just can't have that happen." I was like, "Okay." He's like, "Dave, you're really gonna need to get your shit together." And I was like, "Whoa, wow, dude, like, you, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best, man." He's like, "Well," and he just started, started, you know, getting bigger and bigger, and started freaking out a little bit more, and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of. Drawn, drawn back from him, like, oh, hey, and I'm getting calmer and calmer, which is never a good thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, by this time he had yelled at me enough to where I don't take it personally really anymore. Okay. And so he's just getting louder and louder, and he's like, you know, you gotta really like get this together because, and it was, you know, it makes him look bad if I sound bad, and he doesn't want to get flack from his boss and. Right. Um, so like, you know, finally he just like stands up, he's like, get your shit together. And he storms out of his own office. And I'm sitting there in his office like, what, what just happened? Like, this, should, I, should I go now? So I, you know, I got up and left and went to my cabin. Just people, man, it's, you know, it was just over like, it was over like four bars of music. Granted, it wasn't my first mistake, and it definitely wasn't my last, <laughs> but four bars of music, and he was to the point where he stormed out of his own office, like, shouting, like, in a, in a ball of rage. What was the next day like? It was fine. Yeah. It was like that every day. Like, somebody would mess <laughs> up, probably me, and uh, get really pissed off, and then come back the next day, and we got to do it all over again. <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's great. Hey man. And terrible. Everybody needs to go through that. Hey man. People gotta I didn't live. Even use this. I don't. People gotta live. <laughs> you should. That should be your hashtag. Why isn't it? Yeah. There's, dude. There's people a Twitter. Live. At people gotta live. At people gotta live. 
Yeah. It's Jose's baby. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think he's done anything with it. We had like 5,000 followers. <laughs> this is stupid. At people gotta live. Yeah. That's gonna be up there. There it is, kids. That's my Twitter <laughs> account. No, it's not. There's offensive things on there. <laughs> Even to you. You don't get offended easily. No. No. You're like Life's the, too short. You're like the coolest cat I know. Thanks. And that, that offends you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended by that. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think this is I think this is good. Yeah? Yeah. Well and if we want to do more, man, like we'll I come can back do more. And do more. Yeah. yeah. This is the first stab at it. Well, there you have it. Uh, that's my good friend Dave Hamar, drummer extraordinaire, and indeed we will do more. Um, I'm going to have him back to talk more about some of the other stuff he's um, he's involved in that we didn't get a chance to talk about and to catch us up on the events with Mandy and the stuff that has happened since we recorded this interview. Uh, don't forget to check him out online at Dave Hamar. Check out his YouTube. Uh, look up Annie and, Ev- Annie and Every uh, and look up Mandy Harvey and all the, the links and stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, So you can check all that stuff out already written down. Um, And if you liked this episode and if you like the concept of this show, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you found us on, whether it's one of the podcast um, apps that you might use on Android or on Apple on the website, which is themusicgrind.com. If you want to send me an email, it's musicgrindpodcast at gmail. But uh, just subscribe so that you're up to date with whatever episodes come out. And it'll help uh, with you know ratings and, and uh, polling and whatever the, these podcast, dis- podcast distribution services do for analytics and all that. Anyways, that's uh, too much. I'm still accepting donations and sponsorships, or I will be. I'm gonna. I'm getting all that info together, and I will be uh, announcing it and talking about it in future episodes and on the website when it comes to fruition. And that's it. That's the show. So thanks everybody for listening. Look out for um, for future episodes coming out soon. And hope everybody stays well. Thanks for listening. should have just been like oh i'm the music director now you, you left this, you left your office <laughs> come back with a name tag <laughs> all right all right guys let's uh go through this tune what are you doing well you walked out of your office dog <laughs> just picking up the slack <laughs>